From Miami Law, I'm Annette Uges, and this is The Explainer. We will still feel the effects of climate change even with that two degrees limit on global warming. The recent United Nations climate change report from a group of scientists convened to guide world leaders issued dire forecasting of increased wildfires, widespread food shortages, and massive reef die-offs as soon as 2040. Joining the explainer is Natalie Barefoot, Associate Director of Miami Law's Environmental Justice Law Clinic. Natalie is the supervising attorney on projects ranging from toxic torts to the inequitable effects of laws and policy on low-income minority communities. Let's go to producer Catherine Skip for the interview. Good morning, Natalie. Welcome to The Explainer. Thank you. I'm glad to be here today. Thanks. So we're really looking forward to talking about the UN Climate Change Report. Who compiled the report and, and what, what do we need to know? Sure. Uh, the report was compiled by the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, uh, which is a group that was established in 1988 to provide the world with a, a clear scientific view on what climate change was and the current state of it in the world. There's 195 member countries in the IPCC, which is what I'll call the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change from now on. And they um, review and assess the most recent scientific information. They don't do research themselves. They just rely on all the research that's being done globally and, um, and then compile that into the assessments that they make. Uh, the significance of the report is that this uh, grew out of the Paris Agreement back in 2015. In the Paris Agreement, the countries committed to trying to reduce global warming effects to two degrees. There was an also, also an aspirational um, agreement to, to try to reduce it to 1.5 degrees Celsius. And this report is taking a look at what is the difference between reducing the effects of global warming from 2 degrees to 1.5 degrees. So it's taking a look at what the difference would be to the, to the country or to the world um, with that 0.5 degree difference. And we're talking about Celsius or Fahrenheit? Yes. So we're talking about Celsius and a two degree uh, difference is 3.6 degrees Fahrenheit and 1.5 degrees is 2.7 degrees Fahrenheit. Significant amount. What stood out to you about the climate change report? Well, two things stood out to me um, the most. Uh, the first was that you know, there's this perception that the global community has agreed to uh, uh, limit the global effects of global warming to two degrees Celsius, and that that would somehow be a guardrail for the world against the effects of climate change. And this report makes clear that that is not the case. Uh, we will still feel the effects of climate change even with that two degrees um, limit on global warming. The other thing that was significant to me from the report was the the difference that that 0.5 degrees makes between 1.5 degrees Celsius and 2 degrees Celsius. There are significant effects um, that will, you know, that we can stop if we if we actually reach to try to limit our uh, global warming to 1.5 degrees. Two degrees doesn't sound like much, but. In this context, it seems like it's pretty huge. One of the most significant 
examples of that is the effect that two degrees will have on our coral reefs. Coral reefs around the world hold 25% of our marine species, so they're very important to our, our world and our oceans. With a two degrees increase in temperature globally, we will see the loss of over 99% of our coral reefs. Now, if you t keep and limit that uh, rise in temperature to 1.5 degrees, we will only see a decrease you know, from 70 to 90%, which still isn't great, <laughs> but it's a lot better than, than losing basically the totality of our reefs around the world. So just that 0.5 degree difference can make significant differences on the ground to, to what's happening in our, in our ecosystems. What kind of changes are, are we talking about that we need to see to affect this kind of change? Well, we need to see the political will from uh, countries around the world to, to not only commit to this two-degree commitment from the Paris Agreement, but to actually make some, some really strong and aggressive changes to get to the 1.5-degree uh, Celsius limit on global warming. These and these are, are changes that are going to affect us on, on a, a very basic level, a local level. When you're looking at the difference, again, another example between 1.5 and 2 degrees, um, you know, the, the amount of fish that, that you can take out of the, the oceans um, will change from, uh, will de decrease at 1.5 degrees by 1.5 million tons and at 2 two degrees, it will be three million tons. So that's a significant effect on humans, um, you know, in our daily lives and how we eat and how we interact. Is 1.5 or two degrees just a star? Well, <laughs> it is. I mean, it's the start that we've, um, that we've committed to, and that was difficult enough to get to. There's also, you know, challenges with even getting to to these commitments that we've made. Um, for example, the report describes two different pathways to get there. There's um, a pathway of just sustaining and reductions in in our greenhouse gas um, emissions that will get us to, you know, the reduction uh, or at least limit global warming to two degrees. And then there's um, another pathway where we actually overshoot the two degrees and maybe go to 2.5 degrees, but then come back to our commitments later on. And that will um, will get us to the end result, but it also creates other problems because once, we, once you move past a certain um, degree of increase in temperature, you're creating problems uh, that will continue on. For example, you know, ice melting in the Arctic and um, being able to crawl those back um, is a lot more difficult. You also get into areas where if you overshoot, you're going to be looking at trying to actually pull carbon out of the atmosphere as opposed to just mitigating it, which is a lot more difficult and causes other um, issues because you'll need land and other resources to be able to do that. So now you'll have competing interests looking at trying to solve the problem. Speaking of greenhouse gases, who and what contributes most to those gases? Well, country globally, the, the top countries that contribute to it are uh, China, the U.S., um, India, and, and Russia. Um, and the, 
the areas that contribute to it most are, you know, um, electricity and uh, transportation, as well as industry. Those three probably make up about 75% of um, the greenhouse gas emissions. And we talked a lot about, or we talked some about the, the worldview on it. Um, can we focus on the U.S. a little and, and talk about where we are here? Our, you know, our, our federal leadership is, is not taking uh, global warming seriously. Uh, President Trump recently had an interview on 60 Minutes where he, he said he believes that climate change is happening, but he does not believe that it's man-made. And, and that allows for inactivity um, and, and not addressing the issues. But luckily, in the states, there's a lot of local municipalities, uh, local businesses, uh, and including the University of Miami, who are standing up and saying, we're still in. They're signing up and committing to the Paris Agreement, you know, two degrees limit of global warming and taking actions to make that happen. So there is a lot of activity within the U.S., but it's um, mainly on, depending on the state, on the statewide level and on um, individual businesses or municipalities who are feeling the effects and, and realize they need to do something about it now. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a recent case in Oregon. Can you talk a little about that, please? Sure. Uh, there's a case in Oregon called Juliana versus the United States. And uh, just yesterday, I, it passed through summary judgment, which is wonderful. It's a case where there's uh, 21 plaintiffs, their children who are suing the U.S. government and saying that um, they're the U.S. government's inaction on climate change is violating their constitutional rights, including the public trust doctrine. And what they're asking for is that the federal government take an inventory of the greenhouse gases and then take action to reduce them. Are there other court battles that are worth mentioning here? Sure. Uh, there's very similar cases in, in different states happening, similar to the Juliana case. And in fact, there's one here in Florida called um, Reynolds versus Florida which uh, was just filed within the last year. Okay. Um, I know the report is urging more action faster. Is that possible? I think anything is possible. Um, Climate change is a a man-made problem, and we can create man-made solutions. The issue is whether or not we will take up the mantle and actually do something about it and... The political will is there in different degrees from depending on where you are. I think it's up for, to individuals now to demand this from our governments as well as ourselves. Uh, we're relying a lot on our governments to take action. And what this report makes clear is that even the two degrees that our governments around the world have agreed upon, you know, bring us a future where there is change, where we are going to have to adapt, where we're going to be dealing with uh, crops that are not as productive, that are, that don't have as many vitamins. We're going to be dealing with, you know, 10 centimeters of sea level rise, even at these uh, two degree limitations that we've agreed to. So we are nonetheless going to be facing changes significant in, in our lives and how we structure things. Um, we're going to be seeing, you know, at two degrees, um, sea ice, summer freeze in the Arctic, summers that are free of sea ice. Um, 
uh, in, for two degrees once every ten, once every decade, and if we keep it to 1.5 degrees, that will be once every century. So there's a huge difference that we can make by just that 0.5 degrees, and when we make those changes, they will affect our daily lives. The Arctic may seem far away, uh, but just by keeping the sea ice there for more times over the summer, it won't affect the jet stream. And if it affects the jet stream, what will happen is we'll see um, weather events that are stagnated and stuck a little bit longer. So when you have rain events or drought events or heat waves, they won't move as quickly through because um, the jet stream has slowed down due to the melting sea ice in the Arctic. So there's real world effects of what's happening here. And um, I think all of us need to really take up the responsibility of this and, and do something about it. Was it sort of a surprise to anyone that uh, the report seemed to make the window much smaller? I, I feel like the reports that we were hearing before, it was a little farther out. And now we're saying this is going to happen in the next 12 years, the next two decades, like soon. Yeah, yeah. The report was looking at anywhere from 2030 to 2052. That is really, really soon. Um, and we're seeing the effects, uh, you know, already. Um, I, I, I can't say if people are surprised, but I think it's bringing it home now. I think this report is also pretty important. On um, In December, there will be an a meeting follow-up from the Paris Agreement, uh, from the Paris meeting in 2015, and they'll be taking an inventory of what the countries have been doing and how they're meeting their goals. So this will, you know, feed into that conversation and bring a little bit of reality to what's happening. Uh, the estimates right now is that we're not meeting our goals and we're actually on a three-degree uh, increase in global warming, which in the you know, U.S. or globally? Globally. Mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, when you're looking at the two degrees and what's going to happen, I can't, I can't even imagine what the three degrees would look like if, if we keep on that track. If there's one thing the U.S. government could pass, legislate, whatever, what would it be? What would have the biggest impact? Well, you know, I, I think we've been trying to move down that path. The, the areas and the industries that... Um, have the the most impact on the greenhouse gas emissions are transportation and uh, energy, uh, as well as industry. If you can hit the transportation and energy sectors, which are twenty eight percent each, uh, you'll be you know significantly reducing greenhouse gas emissions. Um, Obama had tried to, with the clean power plan, um, meet our Paris Agreement commitments through. Uh, through that and through other mechanisms. So we need to take a good hard look and, and really change the way we, we do things here, which will be not a bad thing. It will, it will be hard to change. Change is always hard, but we'll be so much better off in the long run and it will be you know cheaper and more efficient for us later on. So better to make a little, have a little pain now than a lot of pain later. Sure. Uh, any final thoughts? Yes, um, I'd like to encourage everyone to to make some changes and to not necessarily rely on our political leaders to to do everything with regards to climate change. There's a lot of action that individuals can take, and 
can really make a difference. If if all of us just make small changes in our lives, we can really make a, a huge impact, whether that's turning the lights off when you leave a room, limiting the consumption of meat or, or other uh, foods that are high in greenhouse gas emissions. So there's there's a ton of things that we can do. And I, I think we need individual action. We need people to go out and vote and consider climate change as an issue that is very serious and will be impacting them within the next you know, 10, 20 years. Uh, we'll be seeing the effects. So really think that through as you're making your electoral decisions. And then just take it upon yourself to to do something and make a change, because this is a problem that we've created and it's a problem that we can solve as well. So together we can we can do it. Well, that's a bit of good news. Thank you so much for joining us. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. This week's show was brought to you by Miami Law's Maritime Graduate Law Program. The top-ranked maritime LLM in the U.S., the program is taught by world-renowned experts in law of the sea and marine and environmental law and policy. For more information, visit law.miami.edu.